Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 136. We'll begin and conclude the book of Joel with a brief summary of chapters 1 through 4 and some thoughts about swords, plowshares, war, and peace. The book of Joel is not the shortest book of the Twelve. That honor falls to Ovadia, which is actually a single chapter. However, in the four chapters we'll discuss today, Yoel packs in a lot. But first, who is Yoel? What do we know about him? We know that he is the son of Pituel, and that's pretty much it. Oh, and that locusts may have eaten every last piece of flora and devastated the countryside so badly that even hardcore alcoholics have stopped drinking out of sheer devastation. The locusts also caused a depression in the temple economy as mincha and wine offerings slowed to a trickle. Yoel's description of the locusts evokes all of the senses, quote, their vanguard is a consuming fire, their rear guard a devouring flame, before them, the land was like the Garden of Eden. Behind them, a desolate waste. Nothing has escaped them. They have the appearance of horses. They gallop just like steeds. With a clatter of, as of chariots, they bound on the hilltops. With a noise like the blazing fire consuming straw. Like an enormous horde arrayed for battle. Oh, damn! What's to be done? Well, clearly, it's God punishing the Jews. The locusts are doing God's work. So besides saying sorry, quote, rend your hearts rather than your garments. There's stuff to do. Quote, blow a horn in Zion, solemnize a fast, proclaim an assembly. Because there's no better remedy to not having any food than fasting. Isn't that kind of what you're doing anyway? Well, I guess it's all about the framing. Revolution, how, how did this happen? Oh, then I... The arena's mainframe for the obedience discs have been deactivated and the slaves have armed themselves. Oh, I, I don't like that word. Which mainframe? No. Why would I not like mainframe? No, the uh, yes word, yes word. Sorry, the prisoners with jobs have armed themselves. Okay, that's better, that's better. See that? That's that's good framing. But But don't worry, God sees what you're doing. The saying sorry coupled with the not having any food, air quotes fasting, and quote, I will grant you the new grain, the new wine, and the new, the new oil, and you shall have them in abundance. Nevermore will I let you be a mockery among the nations. Wow, 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 is very nice. So now that the food situation's been resolved, Yoel continues in chapter 3 with a resolution on the spiritual front. Quote, After that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Visions of what, you ask? Quote, the sun shall turn into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Oh, damn! But great and terrible for whom? Chapter 4 has all the details. When will the day of the Lord happen? Quote, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. Where will it happen? Quote, down in the valley of Jehoshaphat. And what will happen on that day? Quote, what is this you are doing to me, O Tyre, Sidon, and all the districts of Philistia? Are you requiting me for something I have done, or are you doing something for my benefit? Quick as a flash, I will pay you back. And pay back how? In a twist on the prophecy of Yeshayahu, the nations will, quote, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let even the weaklings say, I am strong. Because it's on. Right. 
Anyone want to uh, venture the outcome? Quote, And in that day the mountains shall drip with wine, the hills shall flow with milk, and all the watercourses of Judah shall flow with water. A spring shall issue from the house of the Lord, and shall water the wadi of the acacias. Egypt shall become desolation, and Edom a desolate waste, because of the outrage to the people of Judah, in whose land they shed blood of the innocent. And on that uplifting note, here endeth the lesson. At the end of E.T., the Reese's Pieces eating little ragamuffin heads back to his ship. After he tells Gertie to be good and tells Michael thank you and touches his own heart when he thinks of Elliot and says ouch, he hugs, etc. Well, you know, let's just listen, shall we? Now imagine, as soon as E.T. gets onto his uh, ship and he's free of the Earth's gravitational pull, he calls in the airstrike. Oh, damn! That's kind of what happened for me in Chapter 4 with Yoel. Yoel does an obvious callback to the prophecy of Ishayahu, the famous line enshrined at the entrance of the United Nations by Soviet artist Evgeny Vucetich. Quote, And the many people shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mount of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways, that we may walk in his paths, for instruction shall come forth from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Thus he will judge among the nations and arbitrate for the many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not take up sword against nation. They shall never again know war. This sounds lovely and heartening and brimming with optimism, but if you recall the context for this prophecy, it was a dig at the Jews who were putting their faith in military pacts to protect them from the Assyrians instead of God. And in the end of days, the only one y'all should trust is God. The world will be at peace when everyone acknowledges that, Jews and non-Jews alike. So to get things rolling, the Jews need to take the first step. For Yoel, the world is a bit different, we think. For argument's sake, let's assume that Yoel is living in a world without a temple, even though he references the Kohanim missing out on all those mincha and wine offerings. The worst thing that you can imagine happening has happened. E.T. has died, despite all the interventions and haranguing of the prophets. But I don't want you to take him away. But don't worry, in the end of days there will be peace, yada yada yada. E.T. lives, but not before war comes back and better than ever. Another war, using those same plowshares and pruning hooks to make weapons. Now that's recycling, reckoning. God will settle scores with the non-Jews who made the Jews suffer. This is the least that God can do. It's it's a holy war for the liberation of Jerusalem and the Jews. But here's the thing. Because of the inability to situate Yoel in a specific period, one could legitimately ask if Yoel came first, or maybe Yeshayahu came first. Was Yoel twist-ending Yeshayahu, or was Yeshayahu riffing on Yoel? Does it matter? 
It's clear, however, that the culture has a preference. We like Yeshayahu's ending better. We don't see statues about beating plowshares into swords. We don't sing camp songs about nations taking up swords against each other. The Romans were fond of saying, Si vis pacem parabellum, if you want peace, prepare for war. It'd be nice, though, if we could prepare a little for the peace, too. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Send a friend an email to say, Hey, would it kill you to check out TanakhCast? Or even better, write a brief review at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Smart Radio, or SoundCloud. It's a small thing, really, but it will help other people who might be interested in some Bible learning find this podcast. Or if you want to help in a bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for episode 137 when we begin the third book in the Book of Twelve with Amos chapters 1 through 3.